time. All right, Acts chapter 18 this morning. Acts chapter 18, Brother Jim read the text for us. and uh, I want to ask you this morning, I, I'm sure this is not too hard to, to uh, get you to understand this but, or, or, or to agree with this, but have you ever been overwhelmed with the condition of our country? Some of you that have been on the planet for a little while, maybe, maybe at least more than, I don't know what, 30, 35 years, uh, especially you get up on the planet more than 40 and 45 years and you start realizing, my goodness, a lot has changed in our nation. And I get, listen, if you're younger, listen, make no mistake, it's not always been this way. There's always been sin. There's always been unrighteousness. There's always been idolatry. But I'm telling you, it's not been like it has lately. It's not been like this. Atheism is the latest fad that's going out there, isn't there? Atheists and agnosticism. And it's a, it is a fad going on right now. It's popular to be that way. If you really take time to deal with somebody about the subjects and who say they're an atheist, if you take enough time with them, they'll, they'll in, invariably they'll say, well, well, okay, yeah, I, I believe there's a higher power. I do. But, you know, like my friend told me one day, I just don't think he is who you say he is. Okay, fair enough. But it is. Atheism is all around us. Governments are making laws against churches. Churches are filled with scandal that's broadcast all over the internet and TV. What a shame. I, I remember when you read back when David uh, uh, walked right into sin with Bathsheba and Nathan uh, came to him, that prophet came to him. And one of the things that he told him was this, you have given the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. What a horrible thing as, a, as people of God that we, uh, we see churches across the nation uh, of all different types and stripes and things with, 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 uh, with uh, scandals and, and problems going out that gets broadcast all over the world to see and given the, uh, the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. I can't help but thinking about where our public school system is at, where colleges are, 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 where colleges are at, and indoctrination that goes on, where the Bible is not allowed. Think about that. Some of you remember a day, I remember a day even, of moments of silence at least. It was after uh, uh, Madeline, Madeline O'Hare, whatever her first name was, Madeline Murray O'Hare. There it is. Thank you. I have her son's book, excellent book by Michael. You have to get it sometime. He became a believer. He became a Christian. Anyway, it was, this was even after her. I mean, I, there was still, I, I remember as a child having at least, you know, uh, moments of silence in school. And we see where the school system is today. The Bible isn't allowed. And, and the, our academic standing in the world is, has absolutely dropped. And promiscuity has risen. I think you think about the college campuses that are an absolute cesspool. Those dormitories are cesspools of what they allow in there. Rebellion is encouraged. God is not allowed. I'm just, listen, I remember a day, I remember my grandfather telling me about, uh, even over in Aurora, about the late 1960s, they got a new, a, a new football coach who had football practice on Wednesday night and the town almost came unglued. And almost got rid of them. Why? Because it was a church night. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It was a church night. And the town was upset that they would have the audacity, pagan, they probably what they thought about them, reprobate. Why would you have football practice on a church night? Well, he changed it. He did. And uh, now we have practice and games on Sundays and Wednesdays and whenever. Nothing matters. I'm just wondering, I'm telling you today that things have definitely changed in our nation, in just America alone. Church attendance is down, right? 
Churches are barely open on Sunday mornings. They're almost never open on Sunday nights. They're all, I mean, to find a Wednesday night service is, is a total anomaly. Entertainment is vile in our nation anymore. Movies that glorify, shows that glorify adultery and fornication and lying and cheating and cursing and taking God's name in vain. And you look at occultism and magic and witchcraft, a.k.a. Disney. That's another thing. Unbiblical philosophies. Oh, no, you might find a, a program out there that doesn't have any of that, but just the unbiblical philosophies that are being pounded into your mind. Do you know when you sit and watch... Uh, I don't mean to get off. I shouldn't get off. Do you, know when you, do you know when you sit and you watch visual entertainment, your mind goes into a hypnotic state? It's really hard to block stuff out that's, not, that's unbiblical when you're vegging out. It's, it's wonderful to veg out, isn't it? It's kind of enjoying for a little while. <laughs> yeah. We see the rejection of God's creation. This is where we're living, isn't it? Yeah. Happy Sunday, right? Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> no, it's just, this is reality. This is where we're living. The reject, rejection of God's creation. You say, what do you mean? Have you, uh, are you not aware of the rise of homosexuality? Are you not aware of the a rise of the LGBTQP plus community? You know, they've added P. I'm going to tell you. You know what P is? You know what P stands for? Pedophile. You ever heard of NAMBLA, North American Man-Boy Love Association? They've been around for 20 years, at least. I've been watching, watching what they do for at least 10 years. They are the big proponents of lowering the age of consent to 12. And I don't need to explain to you why. Yeah. Gender dysphoria. You ever thought you'd live in a day when a boy didn't know he was a boy and a girl didn't know she was a girl? Isn't that weird? Yeah. You don't know. Creation reveals the Creator, doesn't it? The heavens declare the glories of God and the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. His, it, God is shown and seen in His very own creation. And you know what? You and I are a part of His creation, aren't we? We are the crown jewel of His creation. You can go back in Genesis and look at this. We are, the, we are the, a part of the creation of God. And of all of the creation of God, think about this, we're about the only part of His creation that has a free will to decide whether we are going to glorify our Creator as Creator. The animals do it. Yeah, of course trees do it. Flowers do it. Yeah, they don't, they, yeah, they're not living souls, right? But we have a choice to glorify God as Creator. You know what's going on in our nation? He's not being glorified as Creator. What do you mean? What are you, ta- what are you talking about? Well, do you realize we actually have a choice whether we glorify God, which to glorify God means to put on display His attributes? We actually have a choice to glorify God. And one of those areas where we glorify God is in our maleness and our femaleness. That's right. Yeah. Genders are so blurred in our nation today. They don't have to be. Sadly, they're getting blurred in churches. We talk about destroying God's creation. We've killed about 40 million babies since 1973. Well, that's a fact. This Kamala Harris running for vice pre- well, she's running for president. Yeah. You want to see a list of Democrats that was for listen, that was for the the Born Alive Act that allowed a baby to go ahead and be killed even if it was born alive after an abortion. No, that's a fact, friend. That is evil. Yeah. Alcohol is killing eighty thousand a year. I know I'm meddling. I'm getting to a point. Don't worry, we're gonna to get to the text. 80,000 a year. 
What has COVID killed? 6,000? Okay. 217,000? 80,000 a year. In 10 years, we've killed 800,000 people with alcohol. Nary a peep. Yeah. Drugs. Pornography. $90 billion a year industry in the United States of America. And don't you think it's just men? It's women too. Do you know they say pornography is as addictive as cocaine? It, does, it unwinds the mind so badly, it is, it is like being addicted. It's worse than being addicted to a, to a narcotic. You know why? Because it eventually a narcotic, you can metabolize out of your body. You can't metabolize things you've seen that you've put in your mind. Yeah. No, I'm, just, I'm just, yeah, I know, happy Sunday. I'm sorry. But all I'm saying is the chaos and the turmoil that we're facing today in our very own nation, I don't think it's just a political mess that we're living through. The more I look at it, the more I, I, I am inclined to believe that what we are witnessing in America is that we're living under the judgment of God. Yeah. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. My goodness, are we reaping today? Includes believers too. Have you ever seen such a carnal mess in churches? Such worldliness, such lethargy, such loss of an appetite for the things of God? I want to remind you of Proverbs 28. I was thinking about this verse just uh, the other day. In Proverbs 28 and verse 4, the Bible says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked. Think about that. But such as keep the law, contend with them. You see this? When we stop living the Bible, this is what the world hates about the hypocrisy of Christians because they've stopped living the Bible. They're, they're a bunch of hypocrites, right? Yeah. But when, when we stop living the Bible, we end up praising the wicked. And, and, but when we, when we live the Bible, when we live the gospel, we wage a war against the wicked. No, not with fists, not with guns, not with ammunition. With a lifestyle. Yeah. Much kinder and gentler than... You know, the cults of the world like to fight. <laughs> no, a lot, a lot of Christians, listen, a lot of God's people have left the battlefield. And they've joined the enemy. You've heard me say this before. We, you know, we, we've, we've left the military and joined the Peace Corps. Nothing wrong with some aspects of the Peace Corps. But we're, we're in a battle today. And the picture's pretty bleak, isn't it? I'm painting a bleak picture of America because the picture is bleak. <laughs> and actually, it doesn't look too different from where the Apostle Paul was here today in Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Jim, Jim read our text. Jen is my sister. I'm sorry, Jim. I meant to say Jim. Good. That's back to point number four, lethargy. So... <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you can take it. Notice in Acts chapter 17, Paul had left Athens. Remember a couple weeks ago we were here. Paul was in Athens. He had preached there in the, in the hub of intelligentsia, the hub of philosophy, and he preached there at Mars Hill. And in chapter 17, verse 33 and 34, we see that he just ends up leaving Athens. He's done there. Verse 33, So Paul departed from among them, howbeit, Certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius, sorry, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, 
and others with them. So here Paul is. He's he did, For once, he didn't get kicked out of a place. He just leaves Athens. And he's now going to go to Athens. And in chapter 18, he's going to show up at the town, the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was west-southwest of Athens just a little bit. It was a port city. I think there was somewhat up to like something like the number I've seen, like four ports, uh, major ports here at Corinth. At its height, at its height, the population of Corinth was somewhere around 400,000. It was a very wealthy port city. And now the neat thing about it is if ships did not want to go down around the southern tip of Greece, which was treacherous, kind of like, Cape Horn in South America, very treacherous areas. If they didn't want to come around that, that, that place, they could come between the Adriatic and the Aegean Sea. They could come through there, and there's this little isthmus, this little piece of land that joined this where Corinth was, and up above where Athens was. You can get a map and look at Greece later. And there was this little bitty strip of land with a passage through there that ships would come through there. That was where Corinth was. And it made it a very wealthy city where these ships would come through. Kind of like our Panama Canal. They could come through there. And so it was, it was a Greek city. But at this time that Paul showed up, it was ruled by the Roman Empire. And not only was it a Greek city, it was an immoral city. That's kind of why I laid a little bit of foundation of where our, our own nation is. Doesn't really sound a lot different from Corinth. We may be a little bit further ahead, but not much. It was a wicked city. It was an immoral city. Within that city was the major temple of Aphrodite. And you can look that up later and see all of what that was all about. And we'll look at that here in a little bit. But the name Corinth was even used to describe someone who was immoral. Oh, I, I have trouble pronouncing this one. It's a Corinthia Zomai. Corinthia Zomei, that was the Greek word they used to, that was a name given to somebody who was just a lewd, uh, a lewd individual, somebody who practiced fornication, somebody who was just uh, vile and ungodly. They said, oh, that's a Corinthia, Corinthia Zomei. What a, what a, what a name to have, right? The city was full of taverns on the south side of the marketplace. Archaeology has dug up vessel after vessel after vessel given to the given to the the rage of alcohol within Corinth. Corinth was known for everything sinful. And in more than one way, this is a new field for Paul. This is a new place for him. He gets into Corinth here and it's a new place, but he, he's going to go ahead and implement an old strategy. You, you ever hear the saying of it, it ain't broke, what, don't fix it, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is what he does with the gospel. He's going to do the same thing as he's done every, every place else he has been at. And so when he comes here to Corinth, he meets two people. He meets uh, Aquila and Priscilla. The Bible says they were born in Pontus. Now, Pontus was on the south coast, the south coast of the Black Sea. It's in Turkey. Now, the northern part of the Black Sea, today I know, is, is parts of Ukraine. And I, I don't know if there's another country that hits parts of the Black Sea. I'm sure there is. But on the south side of that is, is the country of Turkey. And this is where Aquila and Priscilla were from. They were Jews. They were born in Turkey. They had somehow gone, gotten over to Rome. 
And because uh, Claudius, the Caesar at that time, around A.D. 49, A.D. 50, somewhere in that time frame, Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to get out of Rome. Well, this caused Aquila and Priscilla to pack their things up, and they found themselves in Corinth. And we see here in chapter 18, they're tent makers. Well, Paul's a tent maker. (laughs) This is their trade. And uh, so Paul, somehow, by the providence of God, intersects uh, with uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and they end up, I guess, living in the same place. And they end up uh, working together, and they all ended up in a small little personal business of making tents. And, of course, Paul made tents to fund the ministry, and Priscilla and Aquila were making tents to fund their life, you know. And so, now, now don't forget this, Paul or Silas and Timothy are still in Thessalonica. They're still in the area of Macedonia. And so Paul has been at Athens alone, and now he has come to Corinth alone. And I love how the providence of God has intersected the life of Paul with Aquila and Priscilla. So what Paul ends up doing, like he does at every place, we know this, he's done it every time. He goes to the synagogue and he begins to teach and to preach in the synagogue. And if you've been with us here throughout the book of Acts, we know why he does this. It's it, They're already studying the Word of God. They're, they know the Old Testament Scripture. It's a spiritual atmosphere. They're thinking of spiritual things. So Paul uses that to go in and to reason with them the Scripture. Would you look at chapter 18 and verse 4, please? It says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and pursued persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So he went in like he always has done. He goes to the Old Testament. He goes to all that they had. The scripture they had was the Old Testament. And it says every Sabbath day, every Sabbath day, and he persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Right? I like that word persuaded. There's a group called there's a group, I, I've, I've listened to some people, it may not be just uniform to them, but there's a group of, 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 of theological belief system, a reformed theology that says we don't persuade. We don't persuade. God, God will draw them and God will save them. I don't know, Paul persuaded all over the place, didn't he? Yeah. So he persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. How did he persuade them? How did he persuade them? Turn back chapter 17, just a chapter there. Look at verse 2. And Paul, look at this, as his manner was, means this is what he did. This is his old strategy. As his manner was, went in unto them in three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So this is what the Apostle Paul did here at Thessalonica. It's what he did at Berea. It's what he did at Athens. It's what he did at every place, every city that he got to, and it's what he's doing here in Corinth as well. He's going and persuading these people out of the Old Testament, showing them that, listen, the Bible is telling us that there is coming a Messiah. There's coming a Messiah. He could have started in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 and gone all the way through the end of the Old Testament and shown them that a Messiah was coming. And they would have said, yes, He's coming. Yes, we're looking for a Messiah. They believed the Messiah is coming. Even today, the Jews are still looking for a Messiah. I'm telling you, He's going to be the Antichrist because they've missed Him. 
but they're still looking for one. And so we don't exactly know how long he reasoned with them, but when it says every Sabbath day, we know it was more than one. We know he was there for a little while. And so he's been reasoning with them, and as he's going through this process in the synagogue, Silas and Timothy show up. Now, this has got to be nice. You know, you ever been somewhere alone and some friends finally show up that you've been waiting for? Maybe you went on vacation. Maybe you were going to some friends on vacation and said, I'll meet you in wherever you go on vacation, right? Verona. I don't know who goes to vacation on Verona, but hey, I don't know. There's Verona Beach, north of town, beautiful spot on the Spring River. And if you've ever been there, you'll know why nobody goes there. And you might meet your, you say, I'm going to meet you over. I'm going to meet you for vacation. And you might get there ahead of time and you might get there a couple days early. I remember when I went to Israel, my brother got there a day ahead of me and he kind of, I guess, wandered around Tel Aviv for a little while waiting for me to get there. And I tell you, the night I got there, it was wonderful. It was good to see him. I, I hadn't seen him in a few years, you know, and uh, we got to meet up. I'm sure that when, when Silas and Timothy showed up, I'm sure it was a good reunion. But while he's there, while they show up there, Paul has been teaching. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit now, the Holy Spirit begins to press Paul. You see this? Look at verse 5. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews. Now hold on. He had been persuading for several weeks. He had been taking his time with them. He had been showing them through the scriptures that there is a Messiah coming. And this is a good reminder to us that we're not always able to just go to a door, knock on it, give them scriptures, and have them pray and receive Jesus Christ. Listen, more and more America is getting further and further away from the Bible that people need to be taught who Jesus even is. Do you realize there's people that believe Jesus was just a prophet and they believe Jesus was just some other guru or he was just whatever he was and they do not understand or believe that he is the second person of the Godhead. He is God. He is God himself in, the, in, 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 in bodily form. He is God. They don't believe this. They don't know this. They don't understand this. Yeah. They have to be taught. And this is what Paul did. He taught them. He taught them. And so the Holy Spirit of God is telling Paul now, and now it's time, make the connection. Draw in the ropes. Bring in the net, Paul. You've laid the foundation. You put it out. Draw it in. Look at verse 5. Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. He said, listen, fellas, the Messiah is coming. They're saying, yes, 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 yes. Messiah is coming. Yeah, we believe that. And it's Jesus. And look at verse 6. They opposed him. <laughs> they opposed themselves. And they blasphemed. They said, it's not, that's not who the Messiah is. That's not him. Yeah. They didn't like that. And so, Paul, after their great rejection of him, like he's used to doing, he said, I gave you the gospel. You rejected the gospel. My hands are clean. I'm going to the Gentiles. See you later. <laughs> yeah. So he left. Paul left. How do you like that? Yeah. 
You know, I think he'd been there long enough. Yeah, they said no. They said no. So he gets a new meeting house. Now, now think about this. They're meeting in the synagogue. So when that kind of goes awry, you know what, know what it's time for? We've got to find a new place to meet because they're not real friendly anymore, right? Yeah. And so there's a man by the name of Justice. His house is right next to the synagogue. They start meeting at Justice's house. The Bible says he's one who worshiped God. And he sets up and tells Paul, you come meet here now. And among this, though, this is what's fascinating to me. Notice this here. I think we're in verse 7. No, let's go on to verse 8. Notice this. Don't miss this. And Crispus. Doesn't sound like a Jewish name, does it? Sounds like a cereal. And Crispus. The chief ruler of the synagogue. He was what? He was the chief ruler of the synagogue. He was the grand poobah. He was the head cheese. He was the guy. Look at this. Believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. I love that. The head guy got saved. The head guy heard the preaching of Paul and was shown through the Scripture and he says, I believe that. I believe that. And he turned to Christ and he got saved. And so many of them did and were baptized. It says his whole house believed. All those that were able to believe. Listen, his whole house, I love what it says here. They, they believed in his whole house. Christmas believed on the Lord with his house. What's that mean? All Who believed in his house? Only those that were able enough to believe. Think a one-year-old can believe? No, this isn't household salvation and household baptism. They have to be able to take in information. They believed. And there are more converts that came along. Notice verse 8, would you please? Again, they heard the Word, they believed the Word, and then they were baptized. Hearing, believing, baptized. Hearing, believing, baptized yeah. that's as simple as it is <laughs> hearing believing baptized do you believe today? you believe that? yeah well, this is what's amazing to me notice this Paul now has something else that we've never seen in him before Look at verse 9, would you please? you got this new church here at Corinth, just started. Verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Look what he says. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. Huh. What was Paul afraid of? Have you ever been afraid of anything? I remember one time I was, uh, dropped a friend off uh, south of Aurora. There's a lot of roads down there that goes through creeks where we lived. <laughs> and I was on the old wire road there south of, uh, south of town and dropped one kid off. And this was 
I was in a, oh, it was our farm truck. It was a 69 Chevrolet, but it was just a two-wheel drive. It wasn't even four-wheel drive, and it had rained for a while. And of course, you know when it rains, the creeks get kind of loose on the bottom, don't they? And I dropped my friend off, and I was driving another one home, and there's three creeks you had to go through to get to his house. And so I got through creek one, creek two, and creek number three, sunk down in the rock. It was a big wide. Now today it's all concrete, and they made it real fancy. But uh, sunk down in there, and I just, it's just, you could hear the exhaust pipe, blah, 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 under, under the water. I'm like, oh, we were going nowhere. Listen, it was dark. It was a little, it, the, the wire road is this little road. It's got just trees. It's like kind of hidden in the woods. The, there was no moon out, no moon to light it. It was so dark. And me and my other friend that was still with me, we walked back to our, the other house to go get the tractor to pull out. And that whole time you talk about, we were like schoolgirls. We were so scared going down this dark road, man. Our shoulders never did, we didn't come apart. We're like, and I said, Tim, just think about all the eyes that are watching us right now. He's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, it was about a half mile, three quarter mile walk back to the other house. Man, that was scary. You ever been scared? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Why was Paul scared? Think about this. He'd been run out of almost every city that he's ever preached in. He's been beaten. He's been stoned and literally left for dead. Remember the new disciples there are looking over him like, huh? It's <laughs> like, so, yeah, he's dead. They dragged him out of the city, left him there. Yeah. He's been put in jail. He's, of course, gone on trial many times and whipped and beaten. What is he afraid of? The guy never stops. Remember that time he gets stoned? What does he do? He gets up, dusts himself off, goes back into the city for a little while, then finally goes on somewhere else. What is he afraid of? Yeah. You know, we're not told here, are we? But the Holy Spirit of God found it necessary to write here and let us know that there was fear in Paul the Apostle's life that God had to come to him in a vision of the night and say, Don't be afraid, Paul. Don't be afraid. Can I give a few assumptions? We have text. We have context here. We have a few assumptions and that's all they are is assumptions. But realize when he first came into Corinth that that synagogue, that's a comfort zone for him. He's good there. Now he's done with the synagogue, which he has at other places. But now he's out in Corinth. And Corinth is an exceptionally wicked city. You know, uh, let me just give you a couple things here. Do you know that history tells us that the temple of Aphrodite housed a, a thousand temple prostitutes? That was all a part of the worship services. They're, 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 that, forgive me, but there's worse, you probably hear worse out there. But prostitution was the norm. Male and female, it was the norm. It was the norm after marriage. Marriage is only, only an institution to, to uh, keep your family lineage going. But there was, there was nothing within the culture of Corinth that said, Oh, that's kind of, we're not going to speak of that. You know, we know what goes on, but we're not going to talk about it. No, this was just that. This was everyday life. This was everyday life. The public selling and trading of these human beings into prostitution like animals, 
It would have been on the streets. It would have been everywhere. You would have, you would have, there was nowhere, you know, we think about, you can't go anywhere without seeing immodesty and, and half nakedness. Well, think about Corinth at this time with, with individuals and bodies, people, just women and men strewn out there without clothing on being purchased. Yeah. This was Sin City. This was a, this was a rough place. No wonder the church at Corinth had a lot of problems, huh? We'll, we'll look at that one of these days when we get to the, into the church of Corinthian. But no, no doubt Paul's senses were absolutely, absolutely shocked. No, this, this is not the, the philosophical center of Athens. This is the center of debauchery. Yeah. I begin to think that, you know, the attack on our flesh sometimes can be more, far more powerful than the attack on our intellect. The, the attack on, on the flesh, if the flesh is destroyed, it almost doesn't matter where the intellect is. It's too late. Do you realize Romans chapter 7 was written from Corinth? The things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? Do we not know that Paul was greatly concerned with being put, being a castaway and being put on the shelf and being made unusable to God? You know what I think Paul was aware of? He was fully aware of his flesh. And he's ministering in a place that you or I would probably say, we need to get out of here. This is rough. You know, Paul, you know what God says to him? I'm just, I'm just surmising. But we know Paul did, or God did tell Paul not to be afraid. He said, don't be afraid. Just preach the gospel. Just keep preaching there, Paul. I'll make sure that nobody touches you. I'll make sure that nobody hurts you. Now realize, he's already been stoned. He's already been beat. He's already been touched. He's already been harmed. But here at Corinth, God says, I'm going to make sure that nobody touches you and nobody harms you. And so we see here, Paul's in a new field. He's kind of stuck with an old strategy. He's got this fear that's risen up in him. And God gives them that great assurance. And in verse 10, God gives them a little bit of insight to what's going on here at Corinth. Look at this, would you please? And we're going to close up here in a minute. Verse 10, For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Could you underline that if you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible? For I have much people in this city. See what God did here for Paul? In the midst of Paul's fear, in the midst of of Paul being concerned about ministering here in Corinth, God says, don't worry about it. Just preach, because I have a lot of people in this city. What does that mean? Paul, there's still a lot of people in Corinth that are going to believe the gospel and get saved. In wicked Corinth? Yes. Yeah. In Sin City? Yes. Yes, in Sin City. In a city wholly given to idolatry? Yes. A thousand times yes. You think God, hey, do you think God doesn't know who's going to believe the gospel? The all knowing God? I mean, listen, uh, um, because God knows, it doesn't mean He's determined. Don't mix those up. But He knows. You know what God's telling Paul here? I know you're afraid. I know the situation is really bad. I know it looks like nothing good could come out of Corinth. 
But he said, I'm telling you, Paul, stay put and preach because I know there's a lot of people that are going to get saved here in Corinth. <laughs> I think that'd be encouraging, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, as I study the Word of God, I, would, I make a habit, and I, I wish and would uh, kind of encourage you to make the same habit when you're reading your Bible. Make a habit of asking the Lord, why did you record this? The all-knowing God, the eternal all-knowing God, gave us this much. And that's it. Why? Well, it's all we needed, obviously. But if it's all we needed, how important is every word that He recorded? Yeah. And so I've done this with this passage as well. Why did you see fit to give us this vision in the night that Paul needed? Why did you see fit to let us know that Paul was afraid? Why did you let us know that there are much people that are going to be saved at Corinth? Well, one of my conclusions is this. America is no different than Corinth. Hallelujah. America is no different than Corinth. Yeah. In some ways, we may be worse because we've had the gospel for three and four, well, four hundred years we've had the gospel or more. Maybe worse off. Because we've, we have started this uh, trend of apostatizing and things that way. But just like Corinth, God through His Word, I believe, tells us the same thing that He told the Apostle Paul. I have much people in this city. Let me ask you this morning, haven't you gotten discouraged? When you look at, at, at everything going on, haven't you wondered if anybody would ever get saved again? Yeah. Haven't you looked out over the city and our state and looked over our nation and come to the conclusion that anybody who would get saved will be so rare that I don't even really look for it anymore. How many remember the days that you'd come to church and 5 and 10 and 15 people in a service would come and get saved? And it was almost normal. Yeah. Haven't thought about that anymore, have we? No. Can I tell you something, saints? God has much people in Nixa as well. No, God has much people in Nixa just as much as He had much people in Corinth. You say, how do you know that? Well, did God send Paul to Corinth? Can, can you talk to me, please? Did Paul send God? Did God send Paul? This is why you don't talk to me. I mix it all up. Did God send Paul to Corinth? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Was there a church in Corinth? Yes. Why did God put a church in Corinth? Because there's much people. Yeah. You know what God did 67 years ago? He put a church in Nixon, Missouri, Calvary Baptist Church. Why? Because there's much people. Are there still much people today? Are we still here? Well, then there's much people still today that need to be saved. No, listen, that will get saved. You've probably heard of that shoe salesman that went to Africa and he radioed, he messaged, radioed back to the corporate office. Nobody over here wears shoes. It's pointless. Coming home. Salesman number two goes to Africa and radios back to the home office. Nobody over here wears shoes. Send more. (laughs) 
It all comes down to your viewpoint. It all comes to how you look at the situation, right? Yeah. Let me give you a couple things to encourage you. If God has planted a church somewhere, there is much people in that city that will come to Christ. No, ma- no, listen, no matter how dangerous the city is, no matter how depraved the city is, no, no matter how void of truth that city is, if God has called you there, there are people there who will get saved. Absolutely. You believe that? Yeah. yeah. Let me just give you this and we'll... This is the... I think this is my third time to say it's about the end. So it's really now about the end. I think I have one more, one more time to say it at least. So. Do you know that even though God knew that people were going to come to Him at Corinth, even though that God knew that there are those that were going to believe the gospel and He was going to save, even though God knew that, God still needed Paul and Silas and Timothy in that church at Corinth to go get them. You ever had a fish jump in your boat when you went out? I mean, it might have happened. Salmon, yeah, running up stream and jumping around. But listen, nobody goes out fishing and goes, well, what are you doing? I'm just sitting out here. What are you sitting out there for? Waiting for the fish to jump in the boat. What are you doing? Well, I'm fishing. Okay. Yeah. No, we were told to go, weren't we? We were told to go and to... Get them. Because nobody comes to Christ without the preaching of the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here, let let me tell you this, church. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to be doing today? Well, we're still supposed to be doing what God gave Paul to do. And we we, we just do the same thing today. Number one, you want to write four things down, five things down. I think I got five things down. Here you go. Number one, go. Jesus told his church, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. Calvary Baptist Church, number two. Are you listening? Number one, go. Number two, sow. S-O-W. So, Go ye into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. What is the word of God? It's the seed. Yeah. Number three, water. Water. How do you water? How did Paul water? Well, he reasoned and he persuaded with them. He watered them. He watered the word. The word. Number four, gather. Gather them together. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. You know, if we will go, if we will sow, if you'll water, God will gather them together. They will come to him. See, the gather part is something that we don't do. He does it. Number five, grow. Grow. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the world. Discipleship. Discipleship. So let me ask you this morning, are you going? Are you going? Are you sowing? Are you watering? Are you watching God gather them in? Are you growing others and discipling? Wait, 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 wait. 
God said there is much people in this city. So why would you not want to be the one to go find them? You ever know of a fisherman who goes out and fishes and would rather not catch fish? Boy, that's that's the there's a school going right by right there. I know there's there's I had a friend of mine, oh yeah, about a foot down, about a foot down. They're they're hitting right there. I'm like, how do you know where they are? I, I'm not a fisherman, you know. I couldn't imagine him going out there going, Yeah, they're about a foot down. You gonna get them? <laughs> I don't know. No. I just know they're there. It's just fun knowing they're there. Not for a fisherman, it isn't. It's fun reeling them in. Yeah. Absolutely. Listen, church. There are scores, hundreds upon thousands in Nixa that still need the gospel. There are hundreds upon thousands that will come to Christ. You just need to go get them. Do you know they're building another 300 300 home development right here on Cheyenne? 300 houses. Think about that. Yeah. Are you going? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Paul says the same thing to you. Or God says the same thing to you as he said to Paul. I'm with you. Nobody's going to harm you. Nobody's going to touch you. I have much people in this city. Are you going? Father, thank you for your word today. This is the text this morning. This is where we're at. And Lord, I know sometimes our vantage point needs just to be changed. We get a defeated and a discouraged look at our surroundings and our nation is definitely in trouble. But the joy is and the encouragement is that there are. We're here. This church is here. And there are much people in this city. Father, would you just strengthen us and encourage us to get out in every way possible to go and to sow and to water Watch you give the increase. Lord, when you give the increase, we'll disciple and we'll train them. We'll do it over and over again. Lord, thank you for that. I pray you do a work in our hearts today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand with me this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, the piano is playing, invitation is open. With heads bad. Anybody? Could anybody raise a hand this morning? You know, say, you know what? You you talked about Jesus. You talked about being saved. You talk about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't even know what that means. Uh, yes, I've heard about Jesus and I've heard these things. I just real. I, I don't have. I, I I just don't know what it means to be saved. I don't know what it means to go to heaven. I don't know. Could anybody raise a hand this morning and say that's me? I just I I wouldn't come to you. I wouldn't pull you out. I wouldn't talk to you or anything. Right now be praying for you. Anybody could raise a hand and says, I, I do not. Listen, if I were to die today, I have no assurance that I would be in heaven. Anybody like that? Yeah. Yeah. Christian, are you going? Is it possible that the outlook of our society has kind of discouraged you with the gospel? And you just need to get alone with God today at an altar and thank Him for the encouragement And let them know that you're going to get up and you're just going to keep going and keep preaching. No, look, God didn't find Paul at a place where he had stopped preaching. 
He found him at a place where there's some fear then, but he just said, just keep going. And maybe that's you this morning. You just need, you haven't stopped preaching. You just need to be encouraged today. Keep going. Yeah, I know it doesn't look like much is going on, but God knows. However the Lord has spoken to you this morning, the invitation is open. You come. If you need to be saved, you come this morning. You come. We'll have somebody take you the Bible. They'll show you how you can know for, for certain, for 100% sure, that when you die, that you'll be with God.